This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select T.D. Lamb. And now, your hosts, Dane Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kevin Turner, and Kyle Yeomans. Well, I hope everybody has their morning coffee, has an opportunity to get their draft notebook out, and is back on top of the draft show here on a Friday morning. It's an early morning edition of the DallasCowboys.com draft show as we are 139 days out from this moment from the 2021 NFL draft. Welcome in to the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star in Frisco. Kyle Yeomans with you alongside our fantastic group of panelists this year the athletics Dane Brugler we've got Kevin KT Turner and then Jeff Cavanaugh from 105.3 the fan and guys it's uh it's an important week to say the least whenever it comes to the 2021 NFL draft especially when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys Jeff I just want to know what you're calling this week between the Cowboys and the Bengals do you have a specific name for it uh, I guess it depends on the language we're allowed to use on this platform. Okay. I, I mean, you could do tank. It could be Tank Bowl 2020. It could be the the Suck for Sewell battle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big, it, but it's a big game. Clearly, it's a big game for both teams. Cincinnati and Dallas both looking to uh, to get a, 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 the desired result. We'll say looking to get the uh, the proper result in this game because man, a lot hangs in the balance this week, Kyle. We're talking about more ammunition for Captain Trade down here. That's what we're really talking about. I don't care about Panay Sewell. I'm looking for more ammunition. Let's go. You just want this more. Is the rumble in the jungle is what this is. Ooh, I like that, KT. Say that one more time. Good old fashioned. The rumble in the jungle. Throw <laughs> out the record books when the Cowboys and the Bengals get together. One team has got a head coach on the line, the Bengals. Ooh. He's trying not to get fired. That's the Bengals. Uh, I think our coach is fine for now. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot on the line uh, in this game. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the Cowboys going out there and doing their best. I feel like, Dane, you, uh, you probably won't kind of uh, participate in the Tank Bowl 2020, but do you think this is legitimately a battle for the number three overall pick, depending on who loses this game, is going to end up getting it? Yeah, there's a great shot. That's what it ends up being. And, you know, the Jets and Jaguars probably going to be the first two picks. And then after that, that's where it gets really interesting. And, you know, we on The Athletic, we did an article this week on we did a, a, a million simulations the rest of the season. Mm. The Cowboys have a 56.3% chance of picking top five. So not even as high as I, I, I thought it'd be a little higher than that, to be honest with you. But if they do win this game against the Bengals, then all of a sudden, you know, then, yeah, we're talking about pick seven, pick eight, and things get a little more interesting with uh, how they're going to navigate this draft. So, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting, the result's going to make, is going to have a ripple effect of how we look at this draft, how the top seven, eight picks play out. So, you know, my, my eyes will be glued on this one, no doubt. Well, I'm glad you actually brought that up because I think that is a worry for a lot of Dallas Cowboys nation right now is the fact that you could have the number three overall pick, but a win this week really puts you back in terms of draft position. Uh, Sure, it might get you right back in the hunt to be a game out of the NFC East with three to play, but with that being said, I mean, 
it's more likely to end up in a top five pick than I'm sure it is to win the NFC East at this moment after the loss last week to the Ravens. But Dane, kind of address what one of the biggest problems is at hand this year, and that's the fact that there's a big difference between pick number three and let's say pick number five, six, seven, and how big of a gap is that that we're looking at heading into 2021? Well, yeah, and I think it's twofold. Um, you know, first of all, you have to talk about uh, quarterbacks likely to go one-two. So you would have your choice of the best non-quarterback in this draft if you're picking three, and you have to feel great about that. Whether that is Penny Sewell or whether that is the highest-ranked defensive player on your board, you feel really good about getting that guy. The second part of that is the trade implications. Uh, you know, if quarterbacks go one-two, Jets, Jaguars. And then you've got a few teams lurking with the Panthers and you know a few of these other uh, teams that could possibly trade up. And so if you have that third pick, your phone's going to be blowing up about, okay, well, what's it going to cost move, to move up? And so having that third pick puts you in a position of power. And uh, in, in the draft, that's what you want. You want options. You want to, f- to be able to have the more options is going to give you a chance to find value. And again, that could be the best player available there, or it could be a, a deal that knocks you uh, off your feet and you say, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll take an extra one next year. You know, we'll, we'll take a couple twos, a couple day two picks, and we'll revamp this roster. So when you look at what's best for this organization moving forward, uh, having that number three pick would be a, a pretty big power move. I feel like that's just music to Jeff Kavanaugh's ears right now. I really do. I think what? I what? think that's just music what? to your ears. What? I, yeah, I think, and I think it bears. It actually, I think it bears repeating that this is a weird draft year, at least based on what I've watched so far. In that, it, you know, when you've earned through your blood, sweat, and tears and injuries the right to pick in the top five and potentially take the best defensive player on the board. There's supposed to be like Chase Young or Miles Garrett or Jalen Ramsey. Like There's supposed to be these corners and these edge rushers, and there's <laughs> not this year. So for, for like so for all the fun that I'm having talking about Team Tank and Captain Trade Down, the trade down aspect I think is very important because – Odds are, because in most drafts there are, there's pro bowlers and there's all pros somewhere. But this year, my confidence level in telling you who's going to end up being the best corner or the best pass rusher is not what it would normally be. So to me, it's, it is. It's, it's, I'm really cheering for a potential scenario that may not even happen. But it's a lot of fun, you know? Captain Trade Down needs to ride. This is a, it's a really weird year. You need to... You need to get all the value you can out of that pick and just not get stuck with it. (laughs) Well, real quick, a question for both Jeff and KT. Who's the best defensive player in this draft that you have watched so far? You know, not and not and not just talking specifically about the Cowboys. Just two, just a flat-out broad question. Who is the best defensive player you have watched up to this point? I may go. I mean, it's going to be between. Golly. Ojalari, the Georgia Edge, mm. maybe, and like that, and like that's it. and and I think that's a guy that most years goes in the late teens. <laughs> so like you know, um, and maybe it is uh, Patrick Sertan, the mm. Alabama corner, but I feel like his tape also normally goes in the late teens. <laughs> so that's 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 where I'm at. I don't have a guy that that I absolutely love. Um, so KT, give me other names, Farley. 
Oh, yeah. Well, the guy I've got, like, most excited about, like, watching, and it may have, like, potential to it, is Micah Parsons. But I don't have a ton of interest mm-hmm. in, watch, in drafting a, a, an off-ball linebacker in the top 10, really top 15, for being honest. Um, I have a ton of interest in doing that. Farley would be next. He's my top-ranked corner right now, but I'm still kind of scrapping for, for 2019 Virginia Tech film. Um, or more Hit Virginia Tech the film. Sh- Hit me up after the show. <laughs> oh, all right. Nice. Uh-huh. Good news. Um, mm-hmm. But that's probably where I would stand. You know, like Rousseau from Miami is very interesting. Yeah. I don't trust it at all. Um, and, God, I mean, that I, you have to see more, and you can't. You can't see more. Like, it's not there. You opted out. So, like, he he's very interesting. That's where I'm at, and that's where I keep leaning, going back towards, you know what? If you're stuck there and can't move back, that's where I end up on Pinay Sewell. And I'm okay doing that because up there I'm going to take the best player on my board. I would love to go defense, but what's up there in the draft, that's out of my control. So I can sit here and gripe and moan about, well, there's no, I'm picking third, but the defensive players are that caliber. Well, it's out of your control, dude. So like, But I think another thing about this like, is wherever you're drafting at, there could be action when it comes to trading down when you're picking at 36 as well in round two. Yep. Like, there could be teams calling up. You could get some extra picks there as well. So, I mean, I think there is a ton of value to picking, uh, you know, the, look, we all know it. It's, it's, it's not rocket science. The better pick you have, the better chance you have at, at success if you're doing things right. Uh, that being said, I totally think the Cowboys are going to beat the Bengals on Sunday. I do believe that. So, well, you know. I don't know if the third pick is very realistic. I, I truly mean that. Well, and to what Dane is talking well, I guess Dane was asking about defensive players, but we always end up settling back on offensive players. Yep. It's the way this thing feels. And, and I just want to point out, for all the talk about Sewell, if he's the best non-quarterback, the second best non-quarterback might be Rashawn Slater, the Northwestern offensive tackle. So you might be <laughs> yeah. looking at something where – because, I mean, his tape's awesome. Chase Young knows who he is, I promise. He yep. played against Chase Young, and he played really well. Um, so that's that's the weird world we live in where I think a lot of Cowboy fans are going to look at it and say, I don't want to use another high pick on the offensive line, and I'm going to tell you, if you get stuck, your two best and safest picks might be on the offensive line. Is that, Cal Pitts, let's go. Uh, is that kind of the thing that we're looking for in Florida. this draft, though? Because if you're looking at a top five pick right now, that that talent is offensive uh, side of the football. It really is, Dane. And I know you've you mocked a, a corner uh, in Caleb Farley in your first mock draft, but is it just re, it, 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 at least at this point in the draft process? Things, of course, can change between now and April. It's 139 days, but is it reaching? on pretty much every defensive player that we've said? Is that one of the reasons why you asked that question? It's not reaching in the context of this draft class and what it has to offer. Uh, You know, it's uh, like Jeff was saying, ideally the caliber of playing, the caliber of player you're getting a little bit later in other drafts. In this draft, you can't help that these are the players that are available for you. So in this draft, you know, Caleb Farley is the fourth player drafted. It's not necessarily a reach because mm-hmm. in this draft, you absolutely can justify it. So, yeah, and I agree with what Jeff was saying about the, the tackles, uh, you know, with Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater. I mean, those have been 
uh, tackle one and two uh, for me since the summer. I mean, it's pretty clear cut in my mind. Uh, Slater, I think, is not going to be as universally loved because he has 32 and a half inch arms, and uh, you know he just he's going to get dinged up a little bit throughout the draft process, but. The guy can play. He's an outstanding player. Body coordination, the aggressiveness, the technique. Uh, you know, sign me up. I think he's got position versatility, uh, even more so than maybe Penny Sewell does. Wow. So huge Slater fan. Uh, and, I, and I think KT made a good point as well about that third pick. Uh, you know, it's not just for the first round, but uh, in the second round too. Uh, if you have an early pick, what if? J.C. Horn were to fall a little bit. Uh, maybe you make a move up. Maybe you get Penny Sewell at three, and then you trade back up in the, the first round to get J.C. Horn. Or, you know, I, I think it just gives you more options. So uh, I, I agree with KT that I think the Cowboys win this weekend. But at the same time, it'd be awfully nice to have that third pick. KT, tell me about Penny Sewell. What have you seen from the Oregon offensive tackle? I mean, this is another guy that was an opt-out. And we mentioned the opt-out with brian bucky and dave in the first show but does it scare you to say that hey one we're going to take an offensive player and not address the the countless holes on this defense but two we're not just doing that we're taking a player that hasn't played since 2019 but what makes him special enough to actually make that pick yeah no it does make you a little a little i don't know if nervous is the word because they if you like the guy and you've scouted him you like him you draft him and you feel fine about it but you start looking at like asset allocation and things like that. You know, I got to be honest. Going into that Tuesday night game against Baltimore, I thought Andy Dalton was going to get sacked like ten times. He ended mm-hmm. up giving him up one sack. I guess the Baltimore team that blitzes more than any team in the league. Like I thought the uh, it, that I thought that night was a, a night that showed the offensive line depth is pretty good. Now you don't want all these guys starting, uh, and you hope that you get Tyron and Lyle back and. That's ideally what you have, but you know the first thing that jumps out, if you have any type of roster situation with Tyron Lyle's hip going forward, is I feel very comfortable with Pene Sewell playing guard if he needed to do that for one year or two years. I don't like moving guys around a lot, but I feel very comfortable he can do that. I mean, his, his power is very evident. I mean, you see him you know, crashing down on the, on the down block and just creating a lot of space, and I, I mean this not really uh, not in a disrespectful manner, but we have a, a running back who will be on this roster that, quite frankly, needs a lot of space. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that 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 he could do, and I, I think his ability to to work in space is there as well. I mean, for a three hundred thirty pound guy, he just moves better than most guys do at that size. So I, I think he's got really good hands. You, you hardly ever see him go to the ground. I mean, I, th- I think he is a really really strong prospect, and I, and I don't. Uh, I don't know. This is where the scouting part gets weird because I got to have people who are almost in a private investigator uh, like style knowing what he's been doing in 2020. Because if you're not playing, it's very hard to you know stay in game shape. So I think you got to keep your eyes on those guys, especially the guys who are 330 pounds. Jeff, if he were to be taken by the Cowboys and the Cowboys elected to go offensive line, what would the jumble of that offensive line look like? Because you're not going to get rid of Tyron Smith. Tyron Smith's going to be here. Lyle Collins is going to be here. What would you do in order to, to fit Penn A. Sewell into a system? Would you move him to guard? Would you move Tyron Smith to right tackle Collins to guard? Where, where would we go if it were the Cowboys' standpoint? I guess you'd have options. If you wanted to, you could always play Lyle Collins at, at guard, but I think 
for me initially you would be using a top five pick and you would be putting your guy at left guard and that's where Panay Sewell would line up and I think he could do it because you know the Cowboys ask a lot of of their guards in terms of the combo blocks and getting to the next level and all those different things and I think Panay Sewell is actually really good at those things the athleticism what I really like about him is that he plays with a level of what I call pissed off offedness uh, <laughs> yeah. he wants he wants he wants you to end up on the ground <laughs> he wants to help people um, so in my opinion I you would you'd be putting him at left guard assuming everybody else is good to go and if he needed to transition to tackle at some point that he would but uh, I think I think he could play guard and I think that he would be good at it I think he's absolutely fine in a phone booth, but to Dane's point, you know, he, he also has, he, he's a house. He's, he's a monster, and the arms are probably going to be, uh, Dane guessed, 35 and a half inches. Like, he's, he's an absolute house, so he, he'll end up as a tackle, but if he's got to be a guard for a while, then so be it. And I like the way that KT said that he can move a little bit, and you're calling him a house, so he's a mobile home. It's mobile home Pinne over on the the, the West Coast, mm-hmm. I guess, whenever it comes to that left tackle spot. But it's interesting because, like we said at the top of the show, the loser of this game most likely will have the number three overall pick or at least a really, really good shot of it entering the final three weeks of the year. If not, the Cowboys could be picking right around six, seven, eight, nine, uh, depending on how they fare against the rest of the NFC East in the last couple weeks of the season but when we come back let's start uh answering some of these fan questions we have some twitter on the 20 coming up it's not necessarily 20 uh on the hour but we'll do it about 50 on the hour when we come back you're on the dallascowboys.com draft show there's nothing as unique as our eyes which is why slr pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you verilux for super sharp vision essential blue for protection and Crizal for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. 
Back here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show from the star in Frisco. Glad you're with us. Episode 2 of the 2021 edition of the show. Dane Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kevin KT Turner. I'm Kyle Yeomans. And Dane, you brought up an interesting point in the middle of the break, and I wanted to hit it really quickly before we get into Twitter on the 20. But where would Penesul sit if this were the 2019, or excuse me, 2020 draft, last year's draft in terms of the tackles that were available? Yeah, and we, we have to preface that with you know, reminding people how great that tackle class was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we had five in the top 20 picks, and so far they've, they've lived up to it. Uh, and, you know, even Andrew Thomas is coming around. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, there were different orders for different teams. The Giants thought Andrew Thomas was the best of the group. Other teams had different orders. But for me personally, I know Sewell would have – he'd be probably the fourth best tackle among last year's class. He'd be – he, uh, Jedrick Wills was by far my, the, the, it was a clear cut one for me. And then Tristan Wirfs was the clear cut two. Becton was right there behind him at three. And I think Sewell would be, he'd be right there duking out with Becton for that third spot. So uh, I, I think more than anything else, that kind of sums up the non quarterback group of prospects we have this year. Uh, there's definitely talent, but in terms of the elite high end talent, it's just not the same as we've had uh, in past years and what you would expect for a top five pick. And I think that kind of sums it up. And, Jeff, you had him at three last year, or you would have had him at three behind uh, Wirfs? I, yeah, I think for me he would have been – It would, mine would have been Wills, Wirfs, Sewell. I actually had Thomas ahead of Becton. I was mm-hmm. too low on Mackay Becton. So, yeah, I think Panay Sewell would have been my third offensive tackle – and, you know, what are you going to do about it? The players available are the players available. But still, if you're going to have that off year where you're destroyed by injury, why can't I have a Bosa? Why can't I have Miles Garrett or yeah. Chase Young or Jalen Ramsey? Why don't I get to have nice things? I don't know. It's, it's probably one of the more depressing storylines of this 2021 NFL draft is like the one chance you get a chance at a top five pick, and it's like, oh, well, uh, so much for that. Uh, yeah. That's kind of how it I know. Goes. I mean, why can't I have a TJ Watt? Why can't I have a TJ Watt, Kyle? Can 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 I have one of those? Yeah, I can't have one of those. No. I mean, he was. See, that's the thing. We can get these guys wherever. We're gonna find them. We're gonna draft them up. We're gonna get it right this year. I like that. No Kansas. worries, Cowboys fans. I like that. I like that. Let's turn things around. And by turning things around, that gives us a chance to go to Twitter on the 20. I don't know if we have the sounder in the back. Do we have the sounder, Chris Beam? Twitter, 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 Twitter. Twitter on the 20. Wow, that was kind of actually great. Uh, Jeff kind of led into the sounder, so it ended up working out well. So that that works. So there's Twitter on the 20 for the first time here in the 2021 edition of the Dallas Cowboys Draft Show. And this first one comes from Johnny on Twitter, and he says, if the Cowboys don't pick our man, Penny Sewell, in the top five, what's the likelihood that they go all defense in this draft? We'll start with KT on this one. I wouldn't say that it's out of the question. Um, I think they'll probably draft some form of an offensive lineman because they do like doing that. And they've proven to be pretty good at it, quite frankly. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I, if you're putting some like Vegas odds on there, I, I don't think it's a terrible long shot to think that they go all defense. Uh, look, it's, it's evident. The number of players on this roster who are on their defensive staff now that you would even want back next year 
it's hard to even make a list of all the guys that you would even want back on the team. Um, so, yeah, they're going to attack the defensive side of the ball if possible. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty likely. I mean, I think it's pretty unorthodox to, to go all defense, but I I think this is a little, uh, a little more unusual than other years. They needed so much help. Jeff? They need it. Like, yeah, they need a ton, but I would just – guessing here with I believe they'd be projected right now to have nine draft picks. Mm -hmm. I would imagine at least one of them in one of those rounds ends up being a wide receiver, tight end, or an offensive lineman. Uh, I think most of their valuable picks in this draft will will be defense because that makes all the sense in the world because they need so much help. They could use corner help, safety help. I would say linebacker help, defensive tackle help, and I'm always here to draft pass rushers. So literally every position on defense could use some attention from the Cowboys. But I'm just I'm, I'm playing odds with what would could be nine picks. Maybe they trade down. Maybe they have more than nine picks. At least one, I bet, will end up being some kind of receiver or offensive lineman or tight end. Yeah, it doesn't happen often, but we saw the Panthers do it last year. They mm-hmm. went all defense with their uh, with their lottery of picks. So. You know, I, I think last year we saw after the C.D. Lamb pick, they went defensive heavy, and it's that's probably going to be what we see uh, this year. Where they might go offense early if if they feel like an offensive lineman is the pick in the first round, but then it's going to be defense, defense, defense. Uh, it's going to it's going to be, and they need it. They need depth at every level, at every position, and they need to find more impact players. Uh, you know, someone to pair with Diggs. Uh, maybe another safety. They need help at linebacker to stop the run. Then, uh, of course, depth up front. So, yeah, it's going to be a very, very defensive-heavy draft. Well, and, it, and, and, you know, real quick on off – I'm sorry, Kyle. Real quick, though, on offense, some of the names that you would be seeing as free agents, it's like the Noah Browns of the world, mm-hmm. the Cedric Wilsons of the world, the Blake Bells of the world. You know, you, maybe that's the area. But what you're trying to replace are guys who are way further down on the, on the depth chart. When on defense, you're looking for starters, immediate backups, guys who are going to give you a lot of snaps. So I think that kind of changes things a little bit and what they would even be looking for on offense. Jeff, I know you guys talked about this on on your show on GBAG Nation the other day, but, I mean, you're looking at, this is what KT just said, but it's multiple starters. I mean, it's the Xavier Woods. It's the Cheeto Awuzie's. It's the, I mean, the pretty much the entire secondary is going to have to take an overhaul with the exception of Anthony Brown, Trayvon Diggs, and Donovan Wilson. I mean, that's what you're having to draft, and you're going to have, to your point earlier, one, two, three, maybe four comp picks to go along with your six picks that you have. Byron Jones is most likely going to net you a third. Robert Quinn, a fourth. Randall Cobb, maybe a fifth. That's kind of a borderline thing. And then Jeff Heath, probably a sixth or a seventh. So, I mean, there's comp picks coming. There's darts for the dartboard, as you always like to say. But you're still having to find starters with these picks. Yeah, and that's the challenge. I think you have to be realistic when you talk about an NFL draft. Um, If you, let's say you used your first round pick, second round pick, third round pick, and your third round comp pick. So four picks Mm -hmm. uh, in the top 130-ish picks. And you use them all on defense. The odds of getting four rookie starters out of that are very slim. But the Cowboys do have to find a way, at least if they don't bring back Uh, any of the guys that are pending free agents, you have to replace at least one starting corner, at least one starting safety, 
Um, you don't have to replace your defensive tackles, but I think people would be interested in in upgrading if you could find an opportunity there. Alden Smith, one edge there. So, they, yeah, there's a lot. If you look at the uh, last week's game and you look at that Cowboys defense, I would contend that only three or four of the 11 starters on defense are going to be Cowboys starters on defense next year. That's what you had on the field. Mm-hmm. So there's a ton to do. That's And I think that all plays into why uh, have fun with it and people might think it's a bid. It's not a bid. I, I want this team to trade down. I want this team to end up with uh, four or five top 60 picks if they can find a way to that. I want, I want you to find a way to think, hey, I can find a starting safety, a starting corner, and a starting D-tackle. Pick whatever position groups or however, whatever order you want to do in this. But I think it's really important for this team to be able to find something like that out of this draft class. It's going to be – I mean, they found plenty of starters in the 2020 draft. I mean, Tyler Biotis, C.D. Lamb. I mean, Neville Gallimore starting right now. He's probably not a starter next year if you if we're being honest with ourselves. Trayvon Diggs, though. So there's three at least right there that the Cowboys could have maybe four moving forward. But uh, drafting starters is is the, the key to the whole – Bus, and I think that's something that the Cowboys just haven't necessarily had lately. And they they hit well in 2020. Got to do it a second year in a row. Okay, so the second question comes from Mr. Vallejos on Twitter, and he says, "What is a reasonable trade down spot for Micah Parsons to feel comfortable about the Cowboys drafting him?" Dane, what you got on this one? Um, well, to realistically get Michael Parsons, uh, you can't move down too far. Um, you know, we can have the the off-ball linebacker conversation and, you know, where where the value is for that position. Um, but if you could find an impact guy at that, you know, when it was what, a couple years ago we saw, you know, Devin White go five, Devin Bush go ten overall. So it's not like it's unheard of to see these off-ball linebackers go in the top ten. I think we're talking somewhere in the eight to twelve range. Um, you know, you look at Miami, they've got Houston's pick right now. It's at number nine. Um, and I think Brian Flores would love to add Micah Parsons to that group. Mm. Uh, the Lions at 12, they, they could really use an impact player at linebacker. Uh, so, you know, you can't move back too far. Uh, but with Micah Parsons, I, I, I t- 100% understand the conversation about the off-ball linebacker and the value. But Micah Parsons... He brings a little bit more than that, I think, because of his rush value. Uh, just all the different ways you can utilize a talent like that. Uh, yeah, does he need to grow and develop in coverage? Sure. He, he's still a player who's piecing things together and learning how to play the position. But, you know, 6'3", 245, and, you know, he's, he's going to put up uh, measurables and, and testing numbers that are comparable to Bobby Wagner. So, wow. you know, you're talking about a pretty encouraging player right there. Um, and, you know, we can, we can quibble about the value all day, but if you can get someone like that in the top 8 to, 8 to 10 or 8 to 12 picks, you feel good about that, especially for this team with the way the linebacker position looks right now. Yeah, you know, and I, I love Micah Parsons, and I feel like you've got that that feeling that he's just going to continue to get better and better and better, and some of the inconsistencies that you might see on tape are just things that he'll grow out of. And the thing that I would say is, and I, I'm not, you know, uh, 300 players deep, right? So I need to, I need to, we got a lot of work to do here. But, like, you look around the league and you're seeing a lot of linebackers 
really standing out that have been, you know, late day two guys or guys you've seen, you know, early day three. Uh, I think of, you know, Fred Warner in San Francisco is the best, you know, one of, if not the best linebacker in the league right now. Um, and, you know, I think we all liked him a little bit when we scattered him, but just, I don't know if we thought, oh, wow, he's going to turn into to a star. And I know that's just like one example, but I, I feel like the linebacker position, I, I've treated a lot like, maybe unfairly so, I treated a lot like the running back position. I just feel like that is something that you can wait on a little bit. And I understand you start talking about depth of draft. Well, we use that for wide receivers. You can use that for, or we're talking even about offensive tackles in this class. There may be some pretty good offensive tackles which you get down to their second and third tier. Um, I, I don't personally, I don't know, I'd like to see how you feel about this, Jeff. I just personally, and I know like Roquan Smith's uh, you know, making plays for the Bears and he was picked eighth and you know, all that stuff. I don't have a ton of interest in taking linebacker in the first round again, or at least early in the first round. I think generally speaking, I agree with you. Um, but I also, because I've kind of been going back and forth on this over the last couple of days, because it's not like a great linebacker doesn't significantly impact your team. I think yeah. what's happened is the guys that teams have taken super high haven't necessarily ended up being the best or most impactful linebackers in the league. And so I think we got to be careful not to hold that against the players who were picked higher just because somebody either yeah. made a mistake in picking or we were wrong about who was going to develop how fast. If, if the Cowboys are to believe at whatever pick they have that Micah Parsons is going to make the biggest impact on their team over the next two, three, four, five years out of everybody available and they make that pick, yeah, for the most part, most of my brain tells me that position I would rather not be picking that high, but we've gone over and over. Do I feel better about picking Quiddy Pay? Mm. Do I feel better about picking J.C. Horn? Because sure, I would much rather pick a great pass rusher or a great cornerback than I would a linebacker, but you, you also got to deal with what's in this draft. So, yeah, I'm, for the most part, I don't want a, an off-ball linebacker in the – definitely not in the top five, not in the top ten. But you also – you got to deal with, with what you got. And what you have in this draft class is not a corner or pass rusher that, that I feel great about in the top ten. So you do what you think is best. And we're going to talk about some of those top 10 corners and edge rushers coming up here in just a little bit. But I really, really, really quickly want to get to one more Twitter on the 20 question. This comes from our guy, Matt, who always sends fantastic questions. But he says, if the Cowboys keep their pick in the top 10, let's say, and they take Sertan out of Alabama, the corner, is he already better than Trayvon Diggs, a former teammate of his at the collegiate level? KT, what do you think about that? Do you think that Sertan is better than Diggs right now? I mean, I think I think you still need that like year of experience in the NFL and things like that. But I think you know Trevon Diggs is more of a player who's probably going to come away with more turnovers and things like that, um, a little more ball skills. With Sertan, I think he is. I think I think he's solid. Now he's not. Again, I'm not fist pumping really uh, watching his tape and and wanting to take him in the top five or, or, or top six, seven, or eight or whatever. Uh, I think you've got a solid player. I, I worry a little bit about how how flexible he is. I, I, I worry a little bit. I mean, he seems a little tight to me. Um, uh, but 6'2", 205, you know that he uh, does have the speed that can 
they can match up. Uh, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm pretty nervous about Sertain, to be honest. Like, and I, and I don't want to like be a uh, generic and go ahead, but the bloodlines and like, well, yeah, but like his dad's like not like his dad played a long time ago. Like, I hope he's as good as his dad, but I mean. So I get I get kind of nervous with watching Sertan too. I, I like Farley quite a bit more than uh, than Sertan. Wow. Um, I, I I see I see clearly I, I see the athleticism and, and a little more flexibility uh, in the hips with Farley and and I and I feel like the plays on the ball with with Farley a little more more range when he's dropping into zone and things like that. But you know I, I, look it's real close. I'm not I'm like I'm not like pounding the table for Farley cornerback one. I'm uh, I'm very nervous. I would say that. <laughs> Jeff, what do you think? I think Sertan, I'll say, I think Sertan is a better, I think he probably would be a better player than Diggs immediately. Hmm. Uh, I trust Patrick Sertan a lot. My issue, well, not even an issue with him, uh, I like him. I think my thing is, I think he's a better player than Caleb Farley, and it's not close. With Farley, my, my thing is that you see him physically moving around, and when he's at his best, you see a guy that you're like, oh, yeah. That's uh, like when KT's talking about flexibility, like there's, there's an element of wiry, of twitched-up athlete. There's an element of you could see Caleb Farley as the guy with the best chance to turn into that team's number one receiver, follow him everywhere he goes. You mm-hmm. can see the opportunity for yeah. that. So I like Sertan, the player better than Farley, but I may end up with Farley the prospect ahead of Sertan. That's kind of the debate for me on those two. Yeah, I think that that's basically how I look at it, too. Farley, uh, I, now I like Sertan a lot. Um, I have Farley just above Sertan in my cornerback rankings, one and two, uh, and for the reasons that you mentioned, just the overall ceiling, the athlete that he is. But look, uh, Patrick Sertan, uh, and I do agree, he would be better than Diggs from day one. And really, it comes down to his knowledge of the position. Uh, when you talk about Farley, you're talking about Diggs, you're talking about guys that transitioned from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball. With Sertan, he's been groomed since he was a toddler to play on defense and play the corner position. Uh, son of a pro bowler. Uh, I lo- what I love the most about Sertan, he doesn't panic down the field. He stays balanced. He stays in phase. He will get his head turned to find the football. He's not an elite play strength guy. He doesn't have elite twitch, but he's smooth. He's instinctive. And I feel like when I watch Sertan, the game slows down for him more than most corners. And that's why, to me, he's a top 10 player in this draft. And if you're the Cowboys and you come away with Patrick Sertan in the first round, you're feeling really good that you have a starting level corner for the foreseeable future. And I think these are two guys that are going to go back and forth pretty much throughout the draft process because once you get a chance to see Sertan test and you'll see Farley kind of get back on the field a little bit and after his opt-out season, these guys are going to flip-flop back and forth between number one, number two corners. Right now I have Sertan above Farley. I just like the the soundness of his game a little bit more so than, than what I've seen from Farley in 2019. I would have loved to see 2020 Farley 
tape. I'll say that right now. Kind of a sleeper, though, at the cornerback position, Darion Kendrick out of Clemson. I think this guy needs to be higher on a lot of draft boards from what I saw earlier last week, but we can get into that later on as well. We're going to step aside because we're running long here on the second segment. Thanks for all your Twitter questions for Twitter on the 20 this week. We'll bring it back on Tuesday in our next show, but when we come back, we'll wrap things up and give you some standout edge rushers when we return here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Always fun here in the early morning hours Talking some NFL draft. Jeff Cavanaugh, Kevin Turner, Dane Brugler. I'm Kyle Yeomans. And we don't have a ton of time here, guys. So I want to talk edge rushers for a split second. And, of course, that was one of the big potential pieces, potential draft picks for the Cowboys last year. Well, of course, they didn't go that direction. C.D. Lamb fell where C.D. Lamb fell and history was made. But I want to know who's potentially a top edge rusher in this year's class if the Cowboys should be in a position to take one. So I want two from each of you guys. We'll start with Jeff here. Who you got as your top two edge rushers? Uh, At the moment, my top edge rusher is Aziz Ojalari, and I'm sure Dane will correct me if I'm pronouncing anything wrong, but he's number 13 at Georgia, and I wasn't all that familiar with him other than, of course, Dane Brugler, who is the best in the world. Uh, checking his rankings is kind of how I end up going through and watching these guys. But Ojolari seems like he was kind of a riser this year, so I was watching his uh, Alabama 2020 game and going against Alex Leatherwood and able to beat him as a pass rusher. And he's like 6'2", 241, I believe, is what we got him listed at, but plays 
stronger than that, has the athleticism you want as a pass rusher. So uh, Aziz Ojalari is my number one at the moment, and then Quiddy Pay, Michigan, mm. would be my second one at the moment. I want to see if he tests physically the way that they say he will because I've never seen a pass rusher run a 6-3 three-cone. So I want to see, see if he gets anywhere near that. And uh, I'm going to cheat here and throw in that Joseph Osai, not far off, yeah. Texas. Hey, cheater. <laughs> All right, KT, um, what I do? No, no, I, I like both of those guys that, that Jeff mentioned. I have Quiddy uh, Pay a little higher than Ojulari uh, right now, but still, you know, sifting through some things. Uh, I'll go ahead and throw out Gregory Rousseau uh, from Miami. Oh, had 15 gross. and a half. Oh, no, that no, no, is but, so hey, gross. Hey, 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 hey. He you said each of play. us throw out. Hey, hey, hey. Sorry. He said each of, he said each of us throw out two. You're right. I apologize. You, you took some of my guys. No, you're right. I apologize. You <laughs> can't play, though. Actually, I wasn't going to say either of your guys. Uh, Gregory Rousseau of Miami, uh, 15 and a half sacks in 2019. To me, the way they move him around all over all over the, the defensive line is very interesting, the way they use him. And he's also young. I mean, he's opted out of, of this year. Um, so you don't have a ton on him because he got hurt his freshman year, so his sophomore year. Um, he played and had a great year. Uh, almost had 20 tackles for a loss. Um, he's 6'7", 253, although he could be 6'8". He's still a growing boy, right? Mm-hmm. So he could be 6'8", 6'8 6'9". I mean, like th- this guy's going to have to stay lower. That's uh, The times you see him lose, he's Super playing nice. too high. But that's not every time. That's not every time. So, like, there's a interesting way if you want to have him as a I – don't, I don't think he's a standard, hey, man, you're my uh, right defensive end all the time. I think he's more of a defensive chess piece. Um, but there's that, that can be fun. And you, you can see him win with his quickness. And, and I think he's got good awareness for his lack of time as a pass rusher. There was a play in the Pittsburgh game of 2019 where he's rushing, trying to go around the offensive tackle, and the quarterback steps up in the pocket and he redirects the offensive tackle with his left arm, is able to step up in the pocket and get the quarterback because the quarterback had a little opening up in the pocket. And, it, and that quickness, is that was, that's just winning as an athlete, and, and I love to see that. So uh, I'm a, I'm a Fan of Russo, but I'm not in love with Russo. I want to be like hyper clear because we still have a lot to figure out about him. How is his pre-draft process going to be uh, with him having very limited time, you know, on that defensive line uh, in Miami? Uh, I mean, Jeff took three. Jeff cheated. So I mean, I was no, no. Say, I didn't uh, say Osai. anything about Osai though. Okay. I didn't say anything about Osai. Well, hey, we're I just running cheated out of time anyways. So we gotta we gotta hurry this up. Okay, go, Dane. <laughs> People are here for Dane anyways. Go, Dane. Uh, real, real quick on Rousseau. Uh, I, he's like a Chandler Jones starter pack. I, I think that there's a lot to like about what he could be down the road, but I, I agree with your, uh, you know, the lack of optimism about what he is right now. Um, uh, Jason Oway from Penn State, uh, 6'5", 255 pounds, former basketball player. The, the freakiness that he offers as a pass rusher gets you excited, uh, bringing juice off the edge. And then if I have to name one more, uh, how about Jalen Phillips out of Miami, who uh, is, he was the, literally the number one recruit uh, four years ago, not not at his position, at any position in the country. 
Uh, was banged up at UCLA, concussions, had a really bad wrist injury. Transfers to Miami this year, and you see him starting to put things together. I, I see a guy that reminds me a lot of like a Ryan Kerrigan type. Mm-hmm. Uh, knows how to use his hands. He's a good athlete. He's very smooth. So, you know, if the medicals are good, and that's, that's a big if, you know, we're talking about another top 50 player. So this is a really good edge rusher class. And that's why we pay Dame Brugler the big bucks whenever it comes to the DallasCowboys.com draft show. That's going to do it for us here on this weekend uh, in this early morning edition. Now, these guys will be back two Tuesdays from now on the 22nd. So you guys get a nice little early Christmas gift of getting to listen to these guys talk about the NFL draft. But we'll be back on, I believe, Tuesday to talk with Brian, Bucky, and David Hellman for the next edition of the Dallas Cowboys Draft Show. But for now, for Kevin K.T. Turner, for Dane Brugler, and Jeff Cavanaugh, I'm Kyle Yoma saying so long from the Star in Frisco. We'll see you next time on the Draft Show. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?